This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Real Wealth, hosted by the team from the Stewart Group in Hastings. Our pleasure today to have in the studio Glenn Trillo from the Stewart Group. How are you going, Glenn? Very well, thanks, Ken. Just remind our listeners what this program is all about. Yeah, so um, during this program, you know, we share ideas on real wealth, so um, all things wealth management, um, yep. you know, investing, uh, portfolio management, KiwiSaver, mm-hmm. uh, risk insurance, um, and then we just talk about general um, things uh, topical in the media about um, the economy and the like, and um, point in the right direction. And today's topic of discussion is uh, from an article that you wrote for the newspaper uh, last week, and, and it's called Take the Rough with the Smooth. Mm. And this article is really um, on the back of two quite extraordinary um, quarters in um, the global share market. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly in the article, I sort of concentrated on the New Zealand and Australian share market, but this has sort of been replicated in most developed countries around the world. Um, so, the the quarter that the two quarters that was and the year that was ending two thousand and eighteen, um, the New Zealand share market last year rose just under five percent. And when you look back longer, that's actually been quite a modest return on the New mm-hmm. Zealand share market. The Australian share market actually dropped three percent last year, and much of that was to do with the last quarter two thousand eighteen, so October, November, December. Um, and you know, during um, during that time, like we look at October, the Australian market dropped six percent in one mm-hmm. month, um, and yet the Australian, the average return on Australian shares since nineteen eighty is about eleven percent. But you know, I say eleven percent, and yet it's it's we've seen we've seen a year where it's been twenty percent. We've yeah. seen a year where it's been a twenty percent decline, but an average of eleven percent return. Um, you know, the developed markets, what we call global developed world equity markets, they were down 11% in, the, in um, that final quarter of 18. And, you know, we started to field some calls into the office at um, Stewart Group and saying, you know, Glenn, should I be worried about this? I've seen my KiwiSaver balance drop. Yeah. Um, haven't seen that in a long while. Mm-hmm. I've seen my investment portfolio drop. There was a lot of talk in the media because um, the media loves this sort of sure. thing, of course. You know, blood on Wall Street yep, and exactly. panic selling. Yeah. Um, and, and as I say, that was really driven by um, what was going on in the share market in that final quarter. I wonder, though, that um, you mentioned Australia. It's a, it's a global happening, though, isn't it? It's not just New Zealand. No, not at all. And, um, you know, during that same time period, globally, developed markets down 11% mm-hmm. in that final quarter. And I guess... Why did it happen? 
Um, and the things that jumped out at me, the number one issue, I believe, was rising interest rates in the United States. Mm. And it wasn't so much that they were rising. The concern was the Federal Reserve, which is our equivalent of the Reserve Bank, was going to raise the interest rates aggressively in the States. So it was all about language. Mm-hmm. Um, you had continuing uh, issues between China and the US, trade-wise. Um, Brexit, do we have a deal? Well, we still don't have a deal. <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to be delayed even further. And, of course, we had that partial government shutdown in the US, of course. Um, you know, we saw on the news there were flights cancelled and delays and some um, government work in the States weren't even showing up to work. Um, so this all sort of weighed on international shares in that final quarter. Um, and then a, the polar opposite happened and the quarter just ended. So January, February and March of this year, um, the Australian market in the first two months went up 10%. Mm. The New Zealand market went up 6% in the first two months. Um, it's actually gone up further than that now. And the global share markets went up 10%. So why, well, yeah, why does the market fluctuate like that? I mean, we get up in the morning, we go to bed at night, nothing's changed for us during the day. But nothing's someone, changed. Someone no. says, oh, this is going to happen, and it happens. Did they, did they, did they talk the market down? Yeah, I, I think um, so. There was a genuine concern with um, rising interest rates in America mm. and the aggressive or the language used by the Federal Reserve. Um, and one of the, the key turnarounds at the beginning of this year, or in January, the Fed came out in America very publicly and said, folks, calm down, we are not going to raise interest rates mm-hmm. as aggressively as what is being portrayed. And immediately, we saw an upswing in um, global share markets. Um, yeah, the government shutdown that ended. Um, that's still on the horizon. That's still sure. on the back of people's minds. Uh, Brexit, um, well, no real news there, of course. So we had a couple of improvements. But having said that, and probably back to your question, um, some of the things that are weighing on the market are still there. Yeah. Um, so certainly I think the media has a bit to play um, because the media during the final quarter of 2018, it was just dire panic um, mm. down in the dumps. And uh, that really does affect people's sentiment, I think. I suppose it's when uh, the Northern Hemisphere sneezes, we get a cold because we're so heavily invested. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, probably not quite as bad as it, as it used to be, mm. um, but certainly the saying used to be in um, the global share market and the global economy: if America, um, you know, sneezes, mm. the yeah. whole world gets a cold. Probably not quite so true anymore. Um, but certainly, that concern about rising interest rates in America, um, you know, weighed on world share markets. You often talk about cycles, and uh, we can see the cycle changing now in bricks and mortar, that uh, the prices are starting to flatten out and possibly will even go down in the next year or so. Yep. But like we're talking about with the share markets, they're also going to turn around and go back up again, aren't they? Yeah, and look, I mean, if, if you're in the share market, 
Um, anyone who's in the share market should be in it for the longer haul. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be looking at a minimum time frame of six or seven years if you go into shares. Okay. Um, so these two quarters, which were the polar opposite of each other that we saw, um, you get time times like this, you get events like this mm. happening in the share market and, and reactions. Um, and the theme of my article in the in the paper recently was really to develop the discipline to avoid making a rash decision just because of something that's happening in the share market. Yeah, I was reading a, um, a National Party um, blog mm. a few days ago, bless their hearts, and uh, they were saying that under this Labour government, business confidence now is very, very flat. And I wondered, does that have a direct bearing on... Because it could, it could just be politicking, couldn't it? Because you read it, then you believe it, and then you say, oops, okay, I'm going to pull my head in. Yeah. Is it that simple? Um, I mean, it doesn't have an impact. I think maybe for some people it does. Um, I think you tend to notice, though, um, business confidence when you have a Labour-led government mm-hmm. usually declines. Yeah. Um, and I guess the argument, if you're a Labour Party supporter, it will be, well, businesses often don't support Labour-led governments. They would prefer a national-led one. And so they just get a little bit down on the dumps anyway, and this happens every time you get a Labour-led government. Um, but, you know, we've seen... Um, if you look at um, the Australian share market, has been has, over the longer term, has performed well, mm-hmm. similar to New Zealand, and yet... In Australia, they have gone through more prime ministers yes. and governments, and it, it now actually looks like, Ken, that um, with the election coming up shortly, they're going to have another change of prime minister. Yes. Um, so what happens politically and what happens, uh, you know, even with the, um, the country's economy doesn't always reflect what is happening in the share market of that country. Um, it's, it, it's not a direct correlation. Who's most affected by these swings and roundabouts or these uh, ups and downs of, of the share market? I mean, I, I would guess that mum and dad investors, which I might be one even just with my KiwiSaver, and I've been mm. looking at my KiwiSaver every week, and I spoke to um, to Jeff, and he said, oh, you shouldn't look at it every week. You know, you should just Correct. look at it every once in a while. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> Good advice by Jeff. <laughs> but I have been quite impressed because every week I've looked at it, it's just going up and up and up. Yes. And, uh, only by hundreds of dollars, I might add, rather than, you know, because I haven't got that much in there, I suppose. But mum and dad investors listen to this program when you're saying, oh, you know, hey, look, you know, times might be changing. Mm. It's, it's the mum and dad investors that get scared, isn't it? Whereas the guy who's in business like yourself, yep. you know, you're aware of what the market does and how it is going to come back sooner or later. But it's when mum and dads get scared, they say, okay, well, getting out of that. Is that, is that what happens? Uh, some, some will take that approach. Mm. Um, and I think, Genuinely, that's where having a investment advisor, such somebody you know, such as ourselves, sure. um, who will guide you through these times and will set up an investment portfolio who can weather, um, you know, these um, these storms, if you will, but um, who can really guide you through the process to ensure that you don't make a rash decision and come out of um, the share market at the worst possible time. I'm sure that at the end of December. 18, that some people said, no more, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take my money mm-hmm. out because they saw their shares, um, the value of their shares at the 1st of September and the end of December and thought, no, I'm not going to take this loss anymore, I'm mm-hmm. getting out. 
all across the media as doom and gloom, and they would have crystallised their loss on paper and would have missed all of the upswing in the last quarter. Although in your notes here, um, and I always come back to bricks and mortar because I think that the average person, they can go and see a house, they can can touch it, they've got a tenant in there and they're going to leave the tenant in there. Till uh, till they retire, and then they're going to sell it. It's going to be their nest egg. And I see uh, for 2018 in Australia, for instance, for Australian investors, listed property was the best performer. Did you find that here as well? Yeah, listed property has performed well um, in Australia, in yeah. New Zealand, but globally has actually yes. performed quite well um, last year. And that's also driven by because global equities um, didn't have a strong year mm. last year then you often find another asset class will overperform. Um, That happened, commercial property or listed property happens to be one of those asset classes that overperformed. Um, But it's really interesting. We have, I always share with um, clients a a mosaic that over the last 12 years has shown the best performing class of that year right down to the worst performing. Mm -hmm. Um, So asset classes, whether it's fixed interest or bonds, shares, property, cash, and the like. And over the last 12 years, there is there is just no passion. Um, mm. You certainly can't um, predict what is going to be next year's best performer. Um, is, you that, know, is that different to the 12 years before that? Was there a fixed pattern before that? Not at all. About the only thing you could say, over that 12-year period, you'd say on average shares have performed better mm. than bonds and cash. But that's an expectation. Mm-hmm. But year on year, not at all. No. Um, I reflect back to 2017, um, emerging markets. So that's a type of um, uh, shares which invest into um, you know, some Asian countries, Eastern European, South American countries, and emerging market. They did about a 30-odd percent return for 2017. Mm. Good, Nothing like that last year. No. So you just can't pick it. Although I wonder now, Glenn, why wouldn't people go back to bricks and mortar? Because I think interest rates at the moment, you get them just about 3%. And uh, I know you have spoken over the last couple yep. of years that, you know, this property bubble is going to burst. Boy, it's going to burst. And we keep saying it's going to burst, but it's not bursting, but it doesn't, does it? No, it no, doesn't. no, no. It's so why wouldn't, me some why wouldn't you go and buy, uh, buy a house? And at those sort of rates, you could certainly put a tenant in and yep. service the mortgage, couldn't you? Yeah, sure. And, and I'm, I'm not against um, property as an investment at all. Um, you know, I've, I've owned rental properties myself, um, but I think it should form part. My concern with property is for so many mum and dad investors, that is all they have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so diversification, well, there isn't any. No, it's really. just in property. Um, so, yeah, look, property in New Zealand has been kind, and looks like the interest rates are probably going to be dropped again mm-hmm. in the next OCR announcement. So it'll be um, lower mortgage rates for people. Um, but of course, you do have the maintenance. You do have um, the government is moving towards giving further benefit um, to people who rent properties to tenants. Yep. Uh, so that'll be a bit tougher on landlords. Um, you have the home, the warmer home type initiative, so landlords have to spend money on their property, and I think they're looking at introducing a warrant of fitness type yes, scheme right. as well. Um, so it will cost more. You, government's looking at capital gains tax as well. Um, but we've seen in Australia, Ken, um, property prices in Australia has come back mm. over the last 12 months. 
I think in Sydney has come back 15% uh, in Melbourne as well and that's sort of flowing out into other areas in Australia some people are predicting a 30% 40% drop I don't know but um, some people and and that was similarly as New Zealand that was a uh, market whereby property has just absolutely rocketed ahead in the last few years so you know who knows yeah I wonder we might suggest to people that we borrow money to buy a house because mm-hmm. it's a tangible asset like we said you can go and touch it feel it it's going to be there tomorrow you can go and see it any time like. would you recommend that people borrow money to buy shares some people do um, and do I recommend it I have recommended it in the past mm. but I don't recommend it for everybody um, certainly I think an experienced investor um, the when you purchase money to buy shares, it's not like a property whereby you can borrow up to 90% of mm. the property's value. Um, so with shares, you may be able to borrow 50 or 60%, depending on the type of shares you're buying and globally where you're buying those shares. Um, and similarly, you can borrow not at the same interest rates as borrowing money for a, a property, mm. but you can borrow money at a very competitive interest rate with a long-term expectation that those shares the returns will comfortably outperform the interest that you're paying. So it can work for some people, but I think you do need to be fairly experienced. Yes, I was going to say, what sort of person might you recommend to, to, to look, yeah, go and borrow half a million bucks and buy some shares? Yeah, and certainly I wouldn't recommend it to the no. person who, in the final quarter of 18, said, I can't do it anymore, and got out. Yeah. Because if you had borrowed money um, to buy shares then, then got out, you're not going to get nearly as much money back. Um, so you need to be a long-term investor who understands the cycles. You often talk about, uh, well, you always talk about diversification being the key to being successful um, in the financial world. But I suppose the average person, Glenn, say me, I probably couldn't afford to be invested in many diverse markets because I haven't got any money. or I haven't got enough money to say, okay, well, I might have $100,000 worth of shares and I might have a $300,000 rental or I might go and buy a commercial property that costs um, half a million dollars. So how do you you suggest to the average bloke or lady who comes and says, well, yeah, I'd like to sort of get into a bit of investment. What would you recommend as the main thrust that they invest in? I think we advocate unit trusts. Um, So... uh, in our world, you often either go into a unit trust or you buy directly held stocks or shares. Mm. Okay, so if you think back, um, and I'll go back a number of years yeah. ago, you, you buy some shares, you get a certificate saying how many shares you have in this company, and so on and so forth. Now it's all is all computerized now. We advocate unit trust because for a small amount of money, you can have true diversification because a unit trust, um, our global unit trust, has over 5,000 securities in it. Mm. So you may only be putting in $10,000, but you have exposure to over 5,000 securities. Mm. So there's your diversification, and unit trusts allow for that diversification at very low cost. Um, KiwiSaver, of course, if you have KiwiSaver, almost certainly you are investing in the global share market. Even if you're in a conservative fund, you still have some money in shares and will be globally invested. So people with KiwiSaver funds, you're already investing globally for most of people. I know a lot of nanas and granddads, mm-hmm. not me, although I'm a granddad, <laughs> who've got a lot of money in the bank. Yep. 
Well, they're not getting much interest, are they? So, what would you be saying to those people that you you you've actually picked up on a on a really good point? Because on one hand, we've just discussed perhaps the interest rates dropping mm. um, again. The next OCO announcement. So, we've seen banks recently drop their one, two, and even their five-year fixed interest rates. Mm-hmm. Well, as mortgage rates drop, well, of course, so does return on term deposits and bank interest. So you've got the other people on the other side of it with money, without a mortgage, which are struggling because they've been using those interest payments to top up their national super or whatever the case may be. So they are going to be seeing their returns on their deposits drop in value. So those people really need to look at a different approach to investment. And, I mean, we can help them with that, whether it's fixed interest or bonds, maybe some into the share market, really depending on what they want to achieve and their appetite for risk. Yeah. Really. Mm. I suppose that what you must find is that a lot of seniors, and let's pretend that uh, the older seniors than what I might be, that uh, they will be very nervous about taking that money out of the bank, wouldn't they, and saying, okay, well, we understand what you're saying, Glenn, it makes perfect sense, yep. but we know that the post office is there. Understand, and, and we, we we they probably think that that money is actually sitting in the safe at the back of the post yeah. office, <laughs> and if they want to go and get that eighty grand out, they can. But sure, so yeah. how do you get your head around that when you are trying to advise people? And, and and I do, I come across that from time to time. And so, how do we get about around it? Um, I mean, education is is important. So we educate the people we're in front of, saying, look, this is actually how share markets work. Or, f- or investment work because a lot of people don't really know, mm. um, and we may we. I think it's important for, as an advisor, even though I, I may decide, look, folks, you need to be half your money needs to be in shares, yeah. and which is what we call a growth asset. Mm-hmm. Half your money needs to be in bonds, which is a defensive asset. Yep. But we actually may start a client off more weighted towards a defensive bond type portfolio and as they get used to it increase their allocation to shares so don't do it all on day one yeah do you think that older people in general look for guarantees on their investment like you know you can guarantee that if you put your money in the bank you're going to get say i don't know let's say pick figure two percent that that two percent is going to be guaranteed whereas if i come to you and i say well i'm going to put this money in whatever portfolio you work out is best for me i could lose five percent overnight the next day because something happens to the market Correct. Yep. Yep. And and uh, I understand um, the uh, yeah the feeling of wanting to have a guaranteed return. Mm. If you take a turn deposit, so you're guaranteed say three percent over ninety days or six months, say. Well, what is it going to be at the end of that six month period? Mm. Um, and of course, whilst in an investment portfolio in shares and bonds, we know the returns will fluctuate. But you also have an expectation as an investor that your portfolio will outperform a term deposit or Mm. bank deposit long term. And it's important as an advisor, we only put people into an investment portfolio for a long term gain and it marries up to what their goals are. Just about out of time, Glenn. Just remind our listeners want to come and see you for some sound financial advice at the Stewart Group. Where are you? Sure, we're at 204 Caramu Road in the centre of Hastings. If we want to make an appointment, how do we get hold of you? Do we give you a call? Absolutely. 0687896. Glenn, as always a pleasure. Look after yourself. Talk to you same time, same place next time. Great, thanks, Glenn.
The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.